meanwhile, the FTC, as you can see this one coming, has opened investigations into Google, Apple, and Microsoft on their investments and partnerships into AI. Okay, well, you know, what's the hottest thing in the world right now? AI. What are the big companies doing? Buying a place at the table. What is the what is the FTC not want? Giant companies taking over a whole new industry. So we'll see, you know, in the months ahead what comes out of all that. But I think it's just designed to wave a wave a red flag at those big companies and you know tell them to kind of back off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Each time, and this is we've seen time and time again as well. Each time that a new technology comes out, it's supposed to be this is what's going to level the playing field. This is going to democratize whatever it is it's going to democratize and then it ends up getting snatched up by the big dog hi scott how are you i'm good michael how are you hope you're having a good week i'm having a good week we're back after uh i had a big birthday last weekend no i don't kidding. i don't want to tell you the, the year but it's a milestone event well and congratulations I got, I, got my, I got over my depression about that and i'm feeling pretty cheery now good well happy birthday so, happy birthday Anyway, let's get started. Uh, I'm going to start out with a truly terrifying title of a new report. Uh, so in the market capital research firm PitchBook, and the title is A Mass Extinction Event for Startups. And what they're talking about is last year. Apparently last year, uh, $27.2 billion in venture funding went into 3,200 venture-backed companies that all went out of business in the first 11 months of 2023. And that's why they're using this term mass extinction. And there's a lot of other reasons for them saying that. Of the startups raising money, 19% were funded at a lower valuation than prior funding rounds, which, you know, that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to get more and more each round uh, to fund your growth. 38% uh, of VCs disappeared from deal-making last year. And a quarter of a million workers in tech companies were laid off over the same period. And the layoffs are still going on. I mean, the, the news this week was eBay laying off people. And I don't remember eBay. You know, I was a founding guy at eBay, and I don't remember it ever having layoffs. Not like this. I mean, there's a lot of companies in this town. It's, it's anecdotal. There's no sweeping layoffs, but individual companies and mostly Largest successful ones have been laying off company. We had Google, so we have you know other folks the last few months, and I'm wondering what that indicates. Um, you and I have talked about this before. And well, by the way, simultaneous to all this, a lot of the big companies are doing great. They're setting new records on the stock market. Uh, I think Meta, 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 Microsoft, and Nvidia have all hit new highs. In the last week, the Dow hit what thirty-seven thousand for the first time. Thirty-eight thousand. Thirty-eight thousand first time ever. It's fallen back a little bit, but first time ever this week. So we're getting these really contradictory signals going on. And one thing for sure, and we've talked, like I said, we've talked about this in the past. But when you have a period when VCs are not or slowing down funding new startups then you can anticipate that three or four years down the road, you're going to have a shortage of exciting new tech companies because they just, they were stillborn. 
or you know strangled in the crib they're never they're never going to be here and it suggests that the valley's going to go through kind of a doldrums 20 you know 2027 2028 as these billion dollar firms don't happen what do you think of all that i think those are two different things do you want to take the extinction event first and then talk about the markets and the okay. layoffs? Okay. Yeah. The extinction event uh, of startups is something I, I disagree with. And the reason I disagree with it is because of the difference between mid-2023, when they were talking about, and what happened since, uh, which is the funding of a lot of startups, largely in two areas for tech. AI, of course, uh, which has gotten billions and billions of dollars in startup funding, but also biotech, which is hot, again, here in Silicon Valley, not to mention in places like Massachusetts. Um, and so we've disproved that, that the VCs have just tightened their purse strings and all gone home. Um, granted, uh, you know, what did they not see in 2023? They didn't see successful exits. You mentioned those startups going out of business, which is common. Most startups go out of business, but you're right. They went out of business at a higher rate than usual, but also the ones that did go public performed weekly. And that's yes. charitable to say that they were weak on the stock market. They really did not have a good year. Some of the IPOs managed to bounce back. Arm did pretty well. You know, once it got going, there were a couple of others that made you money. Um, but the startup market was weak. The buyout market wasn't as strong. And the failure market was higher than usual. And 2023 was just a rough year for VC in general. Uh, but the way this year has started out and the way 2023 ended, I would argue, is actually pretty strong. Granted, it's in a couple of areas. But, um, you know, tell downtown San Francisco that there's no VC funding or no more startups. They're really depending on those startups that are moving in when it comes to AI and biotech uh, up and down the peninsula. So I would say there is no extinction event. But also look back at what happened in 2023. You had a combination of fear which slows down VC investment. You had high interest rates, which slows things down. Money was all of a sudden expensive instead of cheap. And it really came together to, I think, just have VCs take a step back, sit on the sidelines and wait for something that was hot. But they got it. They got AI. They got a, you know, a revival kind of, if you will, in biotech um, as healthcare is just going to be around us forever. And you know there are still stock market wins coming every day, every week. You talk about some of those as well. And so there's still a market hungry for risk. And I think that's why VCs will live another day. And my big concern when it comes to startups in the Bay Area is the price of housing. We've just priced young people out of this area. And if they all decide en masse to go to Austin or Miami or whatever, that's where they're going to start the companies instead of here in Silicon Valley. Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, compromising VCs is, well, it, ben it benefited them, uh, you know, in the late teens and early 20s, which was the high interest rates actually made capital more available. And they were rich. They were floating in money and they were investing. They made a lot of dumb investments. I mean, you expect at the end of any kind of bubble that you're going to lose 90% of the companies. But uh, a lot of these aren't even being born because they're not getting the first round. And with interest rates being tightened up, which is good for all the rest of us, it's not really good for loose capital. All right. I'll push back a bit, though, and say that one thing I'm seeing, because I still get a lot of pitches 
from venture capitalists every day about their startups. And I think things are being done a little more on the cheap. And there are a couple of factors going into that. One, as you say, VCs are being more careful, more thoughtful about money for the most part. I mean, they're pouring it into AI. Um, whether or not they'll make that back in the end yeah. is still to be determined. It seems like we come out of one bubble right into the next bubble. <laughs> but they just love that. Yeah. But the other thing is, um, I mean, look at all the working from home. There is a cheaper way to do these things, yes. both on the VC level and on the startup level. And I think you're seeing that. And so I get pitched by a lot of founders uh, who are like, okay, we don't have a flashy office yet, but um, you know, can we talk about this over Zoom? Uh, because they're bootstrapping it and doing it so far with uh, with minimal investment. And every time you see a, you know, let's call it a crisis, whether it's 2008 or going back to the dot-com boom, the VC money does come back. It just comes back more carefully, for lack of a better term. And I think that's what you're seeing now. Yeah, I think there's a weird balance. You You want to be careful with the money, especially at times like this. But at the same time, you got growing companies and you can't, starve them at a time when they need to really scale. If they're going to take off, they have to go vertical at some point, and they need a lot of money to do that. And the question is, is that money going to be there? Right. And I, I think the answer is yes, if the VCs get excited. But yeah. the money was for a while there from the jump, and that's just a big risk. We saw a rough year without that money coming back. We saw very few successful exits or IPOs. Uh, and so I think, again, as we've seen time and time again after you know rough times, VCs are still in the game. They're just more thoughtful about it. And, and that makes the startups more thoughtful and careful with their money. And sometimes that gives them a little longer of a runway before they have to take off. Yeah. I uh, Just by coincidence, I went on LinkedIn and the first thing I saw was a, a new venture fund had just announced it raised $560 million. So maybe that's yeah. a sum of money starting to pour back in. Uh, okay. As long as we're on fundraising and all that, SPACs. Remember SPACs was all we could talk about a few years ago. And uh, they didn't do very well. There were a bunch of lawsuits because it was basically raising raising money uh, via st a stock type thing without it being attached to anything. It's like, give us a billion dollars and then we'll figure out how to spend it properly. Well, they, the SPACs appear to be dead. And now the uh, the SEC is looking into how to make, keep them in the grave uh, with all sorts of new regulations, mostly about disclosure. What is this money really going to be used for? And that sort of thing. But um, SPACs may appear to be dead forever. I don't think there's going to be a vampire moment for SPACs, not if the SEC can take care of it. Uh, meanwhile, the FTC, as you can see this one coming, has to open investigations into Google, Apple, and Microsoft on their investments and partnerships into AI. Okay, well, you know, what's the hottest thing in the world right now? AI. What are the big companies doing? Buying a place at the table. What is the what does the uh, FTC not want? Giant companies taking over a whole new industry. So we'll see, you know, in the months ahead what comes out of all that. But I think it's just designed to wave a wave a red flag at those big companies and you know tell them to kind of back off a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. Each time, and this is, we've seen time and time again as well, each time that a new technology comes out, it's supposed to be, this is what's going to level the playing field. This is going to democratize whatever it is. It's going to democratize. And then it ends up getting snatched up by the big dog. It's sort of like how the Dodgers get all the hot free agents. You know, it, it, they just spend all this money. And when it comes to business, right, I can see what the FTC wants to do and say, hey, it's actually not only a little more democratic to spread the wealth out there, but it leads to more innovation instead of just stultifying things. Yeah. And I mean, you've got a lot of fans think of, I mean, you could come up with dozens of Tumblr-like startups that were super fun and super hot, got bought by a big company, and then bam, it just kind of ended. And so I think that's uh, almost a protective measure for AI to say, the more people working on it, and perhaps the more diversity that there is working on it, the better it's going to be. And I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, it's like Lenny petting kittens. You know, it it doesn't have a happy ending, but no, it's right, right. It, it used it to be it, it, in the valley. It used to be a new industry uh, started, new technology, another click of Moore's law. You'd have a thousand new startups, and then they would fight out amongst themselves, and one or two would emerge. But now. Really, Facebook set the pattern on this, though also um, uh, a couple other companies. Uh, but Facebook really showed that if you have hot new consumer te technology on the web, buy it. Buy it fast and then bring it in inside. Uh, you know, uh, Larry Ellison used to do that with every, you know, uh, information and, you know, mainframe type technology and, and server technology. Now... All the big companies have so much cash on hand that they just don't let those companies live very long. As soon as they show any future, they're bought and taken out of the game. Right. And there is an exit strategy that's, you know, pretty much boils down to impress Google or impress Microsoft. And I think the FTC is a little wary of that. And that makes sense because if they buy you, what happens to all your competitors? Um, you know, because the other companies that were thinking of buying you or your competitors are going to say, well, gosh, Microsoft's already got this or Google's already got this or Amazon already has this. Why even bother? And that's that's anti-competitive. Just don't even get in the game. Absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, we saw last week the other alternative. You can't buy them. This was at Apple with the uh, the blood oxygen monitor technology they, they took advantage of. You steal it on the notion that the, the company you're stealing it from is small enough, they'll either sell out to you or they'll, you know, cut a deal with you for, you know, to let you have a license of technology or something. And if it goes to the court, even the fine is going to be a fraction of the amount of money you're going to make off that technology. I mean, it's a pretty cynical thing coming from, you know, friendly Apple computer, but it, it's happening all over the industry right now. Right. And that all the more reason for the FTC to come in and say competition is good and a wide diversity of products and companies doing these things is healthy for the consumer. And that's what the that's it's us that they're there to pr protect. We need competition. Absolutely. OK, Tesla uh, has now officially warned of slower growth in 2024. Operating income has dropped 47 percent because of softening demand and shrinking margins. I think a lot of that has to do with China. Uh, company stock 12, uh, fell 12%, and Elon's making noises 
that his 13% of Tesla isn't enough. He wants 25% to uh, fight off activist investors, which tells me that Tesla's looking at a fairly difficult year this year. That you know, falling stock prices, uh, declining sales. Uh, you know, we, there could be some shareholder activity, and he wants to uh, forestall that and gather up more of the company along the way. Yeah, it was an interesting move because to go from thirteen percent to twenty five percent of a, I mean, a couple of days ago and seven hundred billion dollar now about a five hundred or so billion dollar company is a really really huge jump already. Not to mention the fact that he's already the richest guy, but. That's a big move, and I, I don't quite know how you do that. I mean, do you? Well, you create a new class of stock, and then well, that's what he wants, right? Yeah, want him all of it. I guess so, and 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 that wouldn't be unprecedented among really rich guys, billionaires in the valley. Um, but shareholders usually don't like it because obviously it dilutes their own vote. Um, and then, right, what else do you do? Do you buy back a ton of shares? You create new shares for Elon? I mean, none of it is really. I don't know. I. I as much it's as his all, shareholders, it's all sketchy, and it's basically a blackmail. Elon's saying, "Well, you got to protect me," you know, because the shareholders are all going to file class action suits against me in the next year for various reasons, and I want to be able to have enough shares to outvote anybody. I guess so, but to say I need twenty five percent, essentially, I think what he's saying is to to try to have power. Not over everybody outvoting him, but but like you say, activist shareholders, um, which granted, you know, wouldn't he have seen those by now, giving his really yeah. crazy behavior in a lot of ways? I I, I mean, it, it's almost like Tesla is not immune to the activist shareholders, but the shareholders just seem to love him and follow him so much um, that uh, I don't know that 13 to 25 percent makes a difference in in how they look at it. It obviously makes a difference in his bottom line. But I, I don't know that they wouldn't just say, you know, we put all of our faith and trust into this guy for whatever, you know, for better or for worse. And look, so far, I mean, one day notwithstanding, Tesla has been a cash cow, especially for investors. I mean, it has created so much wealth in the Valley and beyond. You just can't deny that. Yeah, but I think the key phrase you used was so far. I think he's looking into the future with some real concerns. On the other hand, he basically pre-announced a new generation of Teslas, and it's going to be a a low-cost version of what the company offers now, which is a very intelligent way to try to snap up the rest of the market because he's getting underpriced in China and in other you know other companies, not in the U.S. too much because the U.S. EV makers are kind of having some troubles, but in China there's a dozen companies trying to take Tesla's market share. So having a low price version, I mean, every time he comes out with a lower price one, he gets a huge, you know, tsunami of demand. Right. And that's what they're, you know, hinting about at the the, the uh, um, earnings call. And people are now excited on social media about it. But, you know, we know that for Tesla, that means it's likely years away. Yeah, and investors tend, I mean, they're more patient with him than perhaps with any other uh, person out there, but how much patience can you have? Um, so I think, you know, Tesla will be all right. The investors will be all right. Um, but uh, the the growth thing is interesting. They're still seeing growth. I mean, the chart is still, you know, fairly impressive, but 
can it continue to grow at that pace? I mean, what company can? Um, and and that's that's a tough thing. And I don't know that robotics or the cyber truck is going to be that huge engine of growth. It's going to be the regular cars that that people can afford and and get in a fairly short period of time. And I mean, you see more of those out there every day, and that's impressive. But um, you know, this is just such an incredibly hot Wall Street success story that uh, at some point, like most of them, uh, they do slow down. And I, I don't I don't know how Tesla does not slow down because the future products that people are getting excited about are like, do you want a humanoid robot in your house or a yeah. cyber truck that looks like a video game in your garage? And by the way, you're still going to have to wait for these things. So it's, it's, you know, investors are not always that patient. Yeah. Well, speaking of patience, nice segue <laughs> here. Patience and new cars. Rumor is Apple, an EV, maybe in 2028. Now, we, you know, I live in Sunnyvale. You know, people down the road from me have been complaining about this secret, you know, Apple facility down there making lots of noise and everything else. That was a couple of years ago. And I think everyone assumed, yeah, Apple experimented with it, you know, like it does with a lot of things, but decided, nah, we can't make it practical. Maybe it's real after all. I mean, I, I love your optimism. I, I've covered tech in, in Silicon Valley a long time. And that that building that makes noise and is apparently working on Apple's car is literally our version here in Silicon Valley of Area 51. Yes. And obviously no one's ever seen anything come out of it or, or anything like that. Um, so we're very well aware of the rumors, um, but Apple has not even really, let's think about it, hinted or teased or, or, you know, done anything towards making an actual car other than some of the software that's in cars or maybe your iPhone connects to your car. But an Apple car, while interesting, um, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to see it and test it. I just, there's nothing out there that says it's on its way, really. Yeah. And, and you know, aside from the fact this is the richest company in the history of the world, and it can basically do anything it wants. Why would it get into the automobile business when it has so many opportunities just with consumer personal products? You know? I agree. And and while I think you know, I, I as you know, am very excited about EVs and, and cleaner cars. And I was just inside one of those Rivian SUVs. And Michael, it feels great. Like all of a sudden, I wanted a family of like six kids and a couple of dogs and some camping gear to just throw back there and drive clean. I mean, it's they're really doing that well. We know and Tesla it, does it well. It I'm looks damn good to that Rivian truck. Every time I see one, I go, I really like the looks of that thing. Right. But boy, is Rivian's market value a whole lot different than Apple's. Getting yes. into the car business is tough. And for Apple, even as much money as it has, I mean, that would make Facebook's, you know, spending in the metaverse look like pocket change, right? I mean, I, I don't know how they do it. And I don't know how they would do it in such a different way as to really stand out. And that's what Apple likes to do. Um, so again, I'd welcome, especially if it's electric and clean and all that, but I, I, there's, there's just nothing that, that even hints at it. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Sometime <laughs> about four years from now, we may have an idea if it's real or not. Okay, some good news. Netflix, 
Netflix added 13.1 million subscribers last quarter. That's twice the number it gained at this time last year. What's the reason for that? Any particular programming or just the competition starting to fade? It's hard to say. I mean, on the earnings call, you know, they were saying we're still out there spending big money because that's our model. That's what we do. And remember, the other big streamers have pretty much across the board lost a lot of money. And so I think yeah. they're cutting back. And for Netflix to be so bullish, I mean, they're throwing out new stuff. They're talking about the WWE, right? You know, wrestling yeah. that they're going to have. Um, and I think that's just so forward thinking. And they're saying it takes money to make money and we're still going to spend money on these these programs. And that's a lot of subscribers in a time when we're no longer locked down. It was a really impressive earning report. And my goodness, did investors just pile into an already super high stock? Um, I mean, right. Netflix is just killing it right now. They're killing it. Okay, finally, I always try to end with a piece of good news. This is good news in kind of an odd way, but I think it's ultimately it's really good news. And that is uh, Facebook and Instagram are now going to block direct messages to teens unless it comes from a designated friend. Given the damage and destruction that those two platforms have had over the last decade, uh, they're a decade too late. But thank goodness they've finally done it. I think it's going to save a lot of lives, actually, of uh, teenage girls. And so I think that's a very big piece of good news and about time. I agree with both. I agree it's a decade too late. I mean, this technology already existed and, you know, they should have put it in a long time ago. But, yeah, if, if it can keep online bullying down and, and clean up a little bit uh, the whole social thing um, and, and take away some of that all for the better because um, you're right. That is no longer something that, well, maybe our kids will get into it. I mean, they're going to be in, that's how people communicate. That's how they get a lot of their information and news and right. um, to do it in a, in a slightly safer way, I think is, is a really good move. I agree with you. Okay. That's it for now, folks. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. You can see Scott on Facebook and X. And of course, almost every weeknight on NBC Bay Area. He's probably heading off to the set right now. And uh, as for me, you can occasionally see me everywhere in the world on BBC World Radio Show, Business Matters. Have a great weekend. Go Niners. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>